a guy named Scrooge and using his example to teach us some things. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to skip that first clip, Thomas, so go on from there. Um, we are uh, going to take a peek further down the last, the last two weeks. We um, have uh, looked at the ghosts of Christmas past. We've looked at the ghost of present, present circumstances and that keep us from growing. Um, the first week, we look at the ghosts of Christmas past. They, they, those are the things that haunt our days and keep us from completely embracing the future. Or keep us from embracing the gospel and the joy of the Christmas season. You're going to have to click through for me, Thomas, I think. Um, last week, we looked at the ghost of present circumstances. Oh, we're too far away. Let's go back this way. There we go. The ghost of present that distract us from the reality of the love of God. This week, we're going to face the ghost of fear of the future that will hinder us from becoming all that God wants and keep us from participating in his plans. You know, the message of Christmas is this. Part of the message is that God had a plan for mankind and that he was going to use his son to get the human race back on that track. That should bring all of us hope. That should bring all of us joy. That should bring all of us peace. That should bring all of us expectation that what God has started in us, he will be faithful to complete. What he wants for us, he's going to work hard to make sure it comes about. If he, the Bible says, if he did not spare his own son, how, how much more will he not give us all things? Listen, the message of Christmas is about the person of Christ. We cannot get away from that. We cannot leave that in the dust. You know, I, I was, uh, my wife and I kind of, when we have spare time during Christmas time, if we have much of that, you know, the rest of you guys have very much spare time during the holidays, we kind of camp out at our house if, in, in, late in the evening on the Hallmark Channel. You guys ever do that? Every evening they got some sort of a, a Christmas movie, a holiday-themed movie going on. And there's been one they've been playing this, this, this year called The Christmas Choir. I don't know if you've seen it. It's about a guy who takes some homeless men and, and makes something, helps them become something that they couldn't have been before. And there's one line in that movie that kind of grabbed my attention. There's a, there's a nun, a sister, who says, he looks at, she looks at this guy and he goes, she goes, well, what's the purpose of life? He says, well, I guess to enjoy it. And she said, no, the purpose of life is to make a difference. And listen, Jesus' life came to make a difference. Jesus came on this planet. His life made a, did he make a difference in your life? Did he change this course, the circumstance of your life? Him being in your life should enable you to make a difference. Him being the central focus of what's going on in your life should en enable you, empower you, strengthen you to make a difference. The future can be scary. You know what? Um, Scrooge's fatal flaw was this. He did not perceive that his life had any effect on anybody else. He thought he could just do his own thing and nobody was affected and nobody would be harmed. Here's the thing. Because Scrooge was given much and he chose not to use it correctly, many lives were affected adversely that could have been affected beneficially. His fatal flaw, even though, here's the funny thing, even though he... 
people's lives affected his. That's what the, the ghost of the, pra- the past was all about. He was affected by the choices and the decisions of other people, but he could not come to grips with the fact that his life made a difference. And it wasn't until he had an encounter that that all changed. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew. We're going to look at a piece of scripture. The fear of the future may right now be gripping some of you. Maybe what's, going to, what's lying ahead may grab your heart. We're going to uh, face the fear of the future, and we're going to look at leaving a lasting legacy. We can, we can change some things. Matthew 6, verse 25, you'll find these words. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Just let that sink in for just a minute. Anybody struggle with worry this week? Anybody struggled with worry? Has fear tried to grip you in some capacity this week? I could just stop right there. Jesus says, don't worry about your life. Is that hard not to do? Do you know there's 365 references in the, in the scriptures about not fearing, not being worried, not being dismayed, not being discouraged? 365 times God tells us not to fear, not to worry. Do you know that? It's kind of funny to me because there just happens to be 365 days in a year. You think he think you think he knows that like each day there's going to be an opportunity to cross over that line? You know what I mean? He says, "Don't worry about your life." Look at look at look at verse 27. Which of you, by worrying, can add one stature to one cubit to his stature? Has your worrying ever got you any place? Has it ever accomplished anything for you? Some of us. We talked about last week, some things, the, the ghosts of the present are the things that, that, that are here and now that hinder us, the cares of the life. He says, uh, so why do you worry about what you're going to wear? Some of you probably walked to the, to, the, to, the, to the closet this morning and went, oh, crud, I don't have anything to wear. And you've got like 16,000 pieces of clothing in there. You know you've done that before. I don't have anything to wear. And you're worried about, I wore that like two weeks ago. What are people going to think? That's the only thing that doesn't need ironing. And you're worried about that. And you've walked around the mall trying to find the right thing that fits just right. And you've been worried about how it's going to look. God said, why do you worry about those things? Those aren't, that's not even worth worrying about. Verse 31, he says, therefore, do not worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't get caught up with worry. And he goes on in verse 33. Listen to these words. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek to be in right relationship with him. Seek to be in right relationship with his son. Seek to be with him. And all these things that you don't need to worry about will be taken care of. They'll be added unto you. Because he says this, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. The future, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He says, seek first my kingdom. Don't, don't get ate up about what's going to happen tomorrow. Listen, I got tomorrow handled, he says. There used to be a song. He says, he used to say, I know who holds the future, and I know he holds my hand. If I'm seeking first his kingdom, the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God, tomorrow will be taken care of. We have... Nothing to be concerned about. As we approach this new year, there's a lot of stuff like, wow, what is going on in our nation, in our world, in our church, in our families, in our job. There's a lot where you go, ah, what's going to go on? 
Jesus says, seek first my kingdom, grab my hand, let's walk it out, don't worry about it, I'm going to be there for you, I will get you through. He says that. You know what? Scrooge's life begins to take a turn. His future begins to, to move around because he, he, his focus is taken off of what his issues are, and he, suddenly he begins to focus. He realizes that there's got to be something more in life. Listen, I, I got uh, anybody, anybody like Trans-Siberian Orchestra? You like that really cranked up like Christmas music? That's like, I kind of like it. I'm a child of the 80s, so I like lots of guitars, lots of drums. And I used to like be like into one of those, all those like big hair band people with big lights and stuff. And so that's right up my alley, you know. Well, my wife blessed me. This, my Chris, I already got my Christmas gift. I got to go see Trans-Siberian Orchestra yesterday and when they played at Nationwide Arena. And there's this one line in this. Thank you so much, by the way. I love you so much. You are so awesome. And I brought to the point of tears several times. And there's a line in one of the songs that just, we were listening to City on the way home last night, and it grabbed a hold of me. And this is actually one of the songs that says, the past can be forgiven, the future can be rewritten. Ooh. Huh? What happened yesterday? What's that for? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. It can be forgiven. The future can be rewritten. What's going on today doesn't have to mean that's what tomorrow is going to bring. Do you get me? You have the opportunity today to grab a hold of the things of God and have, a, have him change your life, and by changing your life, change the effects that the future might bring. Let's watch Scrooge for just a second and see how that begins to take shape. presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come, am I not? You're about to show me the shadows of the things that have not happened, but will happen in the time before us. Is that so? Speak to me. Very well. Lead on. The night is waning fast. Time is precious to me. I, I know it very well. The exchange, it's like a second home to me. 
I don't know much about it either way. I only know he's dead. When did he die? Last night, I believe. What happened to his money? Left it to his company, perhaps. Who else did he have? <laughs> <laughs> It'll likely be a very small funeral, supposing we volunteered and form a party. I'll go if lunch is provided, but I insist on being fed for the time I'll waste. <laughs> have these men no respect for the dead? I should go, I suppose. After all, we did considerable business together. Well, I must go and find the price of corn. Goodbye. How was I privy to that conversation? What purpose could it have for me? Fearful place. I, I wish to leave it. No, I will not. This you cannot make me do. I say I understand you. That is sufficient to the moment. Furthermore, there must be someone in this city who feels some emotion because of this man's death. I demand to see that person. You see, suddenly, like most of us, there's this dark figure called the future that, we, that doesn't seem to speak to us, doesn't seem to acknowledge that we're there, doesn't seem to care enough to point us where we're supposed to go, and yet it looms out there in the, in the distance Seemingly untouchable, seemingly unable for us to reach out and grab, for it to speak to us clearly. It's unknown. Yet at the same time, we all know that somewhere down the road, there, there is that day coming. The Bible says it's appointed unto man but wants to die. We know that day's coming. It's not so important when that day comes. It's important about what happens in the time that we have before that day gets there. And Scrooge begins to find out that he's leaving a legacy, but that's not the legacy that he wants. He suddenly realizes, here's those guys in the exchange, the place he called home most every day, that they're laughing and giggling about a life that was lived. He's mad because they're not acknowledging in respect. And then he hears the very commodity he used to trade, they need to go find Somebody else to sell it to them, and all of a sudden the light goes on. They're talking about me. What did I do to make those men respond like that? My question to you is, what are you doing with that dash? See, all of us are going to face that specter, that bed. Every one of us, unless Jesus comes first, are going to find our name on a tombstone somewhere. And it's going to say, for me, it's going to say 1971 till whatever. Those two days aren't as important as the little dash that lies between them. 
And with the help of Christ and his empowerment and my desire to follow his plan for my life, that dash can be everything God intended for me. But without him and without me pursuing him every moment of every day of my life, that dash will be insignificant. What legacy would you leave? You know, there's three things that will derail our future. There are three things that will keep us off path. Number one, we have to deal with the first two because they make up the third. They make up the third. We have to deal with the past and the present because we can't get to the future without them. Here's the thing. Three things that will derail your future. Allowing the events of the past to have total bearing on the future. Listen, some of us are stuck in a rut because we think everything we've always experienced at this point is always going to keep going on. The hurt of the past will continue to dictate dictate to us our future if we allow it to. The way things have been, the circumstances that have gone on, the emotions that have resided, we think they're always going to be there. We think that relationship is always going to be bad. We think that, 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 that detriment from our childhood is always going to follow us. We think that disappointment is always going to be there. We think that everything that has always happened will always continue to happen. I want to talk to you about a guy named Simeon today. In Luke chapter 2, you'll, you'll, you'll read about him. I'm going to read you some of that. Luke t- chapter 2, verse 25. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Those are these words. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. You see, this man was of, of, of an old age. He had lived a long many years. And you know what? He had lived constantly in the nation of Israel, being under subjection to Roman law, being derided, being sort of enslaved, being always underfoot of the Roman government. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And he, God had been had promised him for a long time that he would see the Lord's Christ come. You know what? Some of you have been promised things, and you're like, dude, I've not seen them yet. I don't know if they're ever going to happen. I don't know if it's ever going to take place. Listen, become a man like Simeon and be determined that you're going to see whatever God promised you come to pass to the very end. Simeon, the Bible goes on to say that Simeon, so he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents had brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, they're going to bring him to be circumcised, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will piss through your own souls that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. He said, Listen, I have hung on. I have looked towards the Lord. I have not believed all the reports. I have not believed that what happened before in my life is always going to be this way. I am, I am trusting God that the future is going to be different, that things are going to change because Jesus is coming. Jesus is here and things are going to be different. Simeon could have chosen to believe that what had always been would always be, but he chose to believe a different report. That God's promises were true. That God's 
God's word was right, that he had promised and he was going to come through. Simeon's experience had no effect on God's plan. Just because things had always been this way back here, Simeon still chose, you know what, my experience hasn't been what God promised, but you know what, that doesn't mean it's not going to change tomorrow. That doesn't mean the more I walk into the temple, it's not going to be different. He was led by the Spirit into the temple that day. He was continuing to walk with God, even though disappointment came, even though every day seemed to be the same. How many of you ever said, how you do today? Oh, you know, just another day. So, so. Never said that? Simeon didn't do that. Simeon said, you know what? This could be the day. This could be the day. This could be the moment. It all changes. This could be the day the Messiah shows up. This could be the day Jesus shows up in my life and things change. This could be it. This might be happening. And he kept on going. He didn't let the past dictate to him what his future looked like. He did not let the past dictate to him what the plans of God were. He let God's words be be true and everything else be a liar. That's what Simeon did. Simeon chose to believe God's report over his own experience and over the evidence because nothing seemed to be changing. Nothing seemed to be different. He chose to do that. The next thing that will derail your future is thinking the hindrances of the present hamper our future. Let's talk about a girl named Mary. There's a typo on this next line, so if you don't understand the English, I'll kind of translate for you, okay? should say Mary had plenty to be wary of about this plan. Look at Luke chapter 1. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Verse 30 says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. There's that thing about not worrying. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary says, oh, really? Let me ask you, let me ask you a question. I used to work in retail. Jason and I were just talking about that. I had this little fella. Anybody remember Doc, Dr. Ponce de Leon? Remember him? He was a pretty common, he's a doctor around here. He used to come into the store. I used to work in all the time. And one day he walked into the store and he wasn't very happy with a product he had purchased like a year and a half before. Um, and he comes walking and he had this little walk. He'd do like this. And that's how he walked. I'm telling the truth. Everybody knows that's how he walked. And he come walking in with this product and the cords hanging everywhere. And he threw it down on the back counter at the, at the store. And I said, he, I said, he said, this doesn't work. I said, well, do you have a receipt? I don't have any receipt. Do you have a box? No, I have no box. So we didn't know where he bought it from. We didn't know if he got it from us. How long have you had it? About a year and a half. Of course, we had our policies hanging up there on the thing. If you see Mr. Mr. Ponce de Leon, Dr. Ponce, um, you have to return things within 30 days. They're in warranty. We'll send them back to the manufacturer for you, but you need a box. And he looks at me and he goes, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. The more I tried to point him to the policies, the matter he got. 
me ask you something. Rachel said, I'm not doing it right, but I've done it for a long time. I said, I said, look at the, uh, let me, who keep the bosses? He said, he's another word in there I'm not going to use in the church. But who keep the bosses? Mary's sitting here in front of this angel, and she goes, let me ask you something. This is all good and great, but I got a question. How? She says, how is this possible? How is this going to happen? Mary had plenty to be worried about. It was physically impossible for this to happen. She says, listen, how, do, how, how, do, how can this be? I don't know, man. And the, the angel says to her in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. And verse 37 says, for with God nothing will be impossible. You guys need to just let that sink into you at this Christmas time. Listen, for God, nothing will be impossible. It it does not matter what's going on in your life. It may look impossible. There may be all sorts of mountains. There may be all sorts of things in the way of where you are right now to where you believe God's called you to be, what he wants for your life. But listen, for with God, nothing will be impossible. It was physically impossible for her to, 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 she said, I don't know, man, how am I going to have a baby? That's crazy. I don't know how that's, what are you talking? You know what? And she also realized that if she was found to be pregnant, that was going to be a very uncomfortable situation for her and her community. That's going to be a big deal. Suddenly, she and Joseph are betrothed, but they're not married yet, and he's going to know that he didn't have anything to do with her being pregnant. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden life gets real strange suddenly. Uh-oh. Ooh, how's that going to pan out? I mean, not only was there a physical impossibility, all of a sudden her reputation, her character, her, everything about her life is going to change. And it's not going to be easy, and it's not going to be convenient, and it's not. You know what? The situations right now to get over the, the current circumstances in your life, to get where God needs you to go, may not create a comfortable situation for you. But to get where God wants you to get, you need to grab a hold of his word and say, whatever it costs me, I am going to get there. Whatever God wants for me, I am going to go through. Whatever God requires of me, I'm going to offer to him so we can get where God wants us to go. That's what Mary did. Look, these words just come off the screen to me. With God, all things are possible. That's our state model. Did you know that? Ohio, one of two state models in the whole union that have God in the middle of it. It's a direct reference from Scripture. We live in the state that does that. With God, all things are possible. We're directly referring to Luke chapter 2. Did you know that? Is that good? I think that's awesome to me. Here's Here's where the whole thing changes. Mary looks at the angel, and she says, Behold, the, ma- the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. God, whatever you want, whatever you require, whatever you ask of me, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you. Let's see one more clip from Mr. Scrooge. And look how one life who's devoted to, the, to, to, to God and his plan can make a difference, no matter how small or how insignificant. Haven't we forgotten something? 
Lord, we thank you for the bounty you have placed before us. We thank you for this day of love and joy. We thank you for allowing us to be together, to share with each other and with you the fullness of our hearts on this special day. Amen. 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 What? You say something? No, no. Oh, uh, I, th I thought I... Yeah, no, I said nothing. Alice. Uh, very small goose. It's all Bob Cratchit can afford. Me. Are we all served? Yes, sir. Then let's begin. And a Merry Christmas to us all. A Merry Christmas to us all. And God bless us, everyone. Tell me, Spirit, will he live? I see a vacant place at this table. I see a crutch without an owner, carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. No. No, say he will be spared. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, none other of my species will find him here. But if he is to die, then let him die and decrease the surplus population. You use my own words against me. So perhaps in the future you will hold your tongue until you have discovered what the surplus population is and where it is. It may well be that in the sight of heaven you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child. I went back to this piece of video, back to the present, because you know what? It was the thought of what was going on in the present, and Scrooge's thought that he could participate in a change that began to spark the revival in his heart. Right here at this moment, he begins to acknowledge prayer. Right here at this moment, he begins to see not just the travesty of things that have been done to him. He sees a tragedy going on in the life of another person, and it begins to change. And he says, you know what? I might be able to play a part in that. I might be able to change something. I might be able to be, be, be someone who can be beneficial. I may, all of a sudden, the light begins to go on. See, what happened? What was going on in the present sparked him to say, you know what? I can change the future. Some of you should look around right now and not see obstacles. You should begin to see opportunities that God's going to use your life to do something great. You should stop looking at things as if they're mountains and look at things as if they're faith opportunities for you to grow and become what God wants you to be and to do what God wants you to do and stop seeing them as problems and see them as possibilities through the hand and the spirit of God. They're not problems. With God, all things are possible. They are opportunities. Well, Aaron, my this, Aaron, my that, Aaron, you don't know. You know what? I don't, but you know what I do know? I do know him, and with him, all things are possible. Oh. Oh. They're not problems. They're possibilities. 
They're not obstacles. They're opportunities. Listen, your life is not a problem. It's a possibility. The things in your life are not obstacles. They're opportunities for God to show himself strong because you can't do anything about them. Only he can. Fill in the blank, whatever the obstacle is, and then say, with God, all things are possible. Amen. The third thing, I could camp out there all day. The third thing that will keep you from your future, the future God has always, you know the Bible says that God knows all of our days. They're written in his book before one of them came to be. The Bible says he knew every one of us before the foundation of the world, before we were formed in our mother's womb. He knew us. He had a plan for us. He had a desire for us. And the one thing that will keep you from excelling in that, one of the things, is allowing fear to form the future of your, direction of your future. Being motivated by fear, whether it be in operating in faith. See, there's a guy in Matthew chapter 2 named Herod. And he was motivated by fear. Let's look at him real quick. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. We, we sing a song called what? We three what? We three kings, right? So these guys were of the same rank and things that, that, that Herod was. They were his peers, so to speak, okay? You'll see the difference between him and them. Saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem was at sea. They operated in faith. They believed that Jesus was the king of all kings. They believed that they may have to give themselves to him. They came to worship, the Bible says. But Herod, he didn't receive that, that report in faith. He received that report in fear, and he was troubled. Verse 7 says, Then Herod, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. When you found him, bring back word to me that I might come to worship him also. Verse 12 says, and we know the story about the, th- the three wise men, what they did. You guys know that. Frankincense, gold, and myrrh, they laid before Jesus. Blah. Verse 12, Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there till I bring word to you, for, the, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Verse 16 says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, he was exceedingly angry, and sent forth and put to death all the male children who were born who were in Bethlehem and all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which had been determined by the wise men. Listen, there's two opportunities for fear here. There's an opportunity for fear for Herod. There's an opportunity for fear for Joseph. See, God sends him word that Herod's out to kill his son. See, Joseph can choose to operate in fear at that point, or he can choose to operate in faith. If God said it, it must be true. I'm going to do what God said do. But Herod had access to all the scriptures. He had wise men who went to the scribes and said, this is what it says, this is what the Bible says. And what he did not realize was he was playing a vital role. He was fearful that what God had planned would take something away from him. What he did not realize was God's plan was to give to Herod and all of Israel, in fact, the entire world, the very thing that would give them all a future. What Herod did not realize is what God was doing was was bringing about something they had all been waiting for. They were all waiting for peace. They were all waiting for joy. They were waiting to to, to walk in freedom. They were waiting to walk in liberty. And he was fearful that that coming would come at great detriment to himself. 
you know what, you may look at something, the future, and think, man, that's gonna, it looks like it's going to steal things from me. It looks like things are not going to be as they should. It looks like, man, what I've worked for might be taken away. It, it, may, it may be that, that maybe certain things, and you're like, oh, I'm, you're, you're, you're towing the line of fear and worry, and like, oh, no, what's going to happen? You're like Scrooge looking at that black cape. You're the most fearful thing I've ever, the one I've seen so far. And you see that hand calling you, beckoning you to walk down the path. You're like, oh, no, what's that going to take from me? What's that going to take from me? What's going to happen to me? Oh, no. And you can choose to operate in fear or you can choose to operate in faith. You can choose to accept God's report that it is good. You can choose to believe Romans 8.28, that all things work together for the good of those who do what? Love God and do what? are called according to his purpose, and his purpose for you is found in verse 29, which means he's going to conform you to the image of his son, and every circumstance, if we allow it to, and we operate in faith rather than fear, it will absolutely form the character of Christ in us. Absolutely. You know, we can choose to do that. There's a scene I'm not going to show you because we're we're just out of time. Where, and the ghost of, the present, Scrooge finds, or the future, Scrooge finds himself back at Bob Cratchit's home. And they're reading scripture together and they're talking about Tiny Tim because now the future's happened and Tiny Tim's not there. And they begin to talk about the impact and the influence and the effect that Tiny Tim had on their lives. And all of a sudden, Scrooge says, just, just, just take me home. I can't. And Tiny Tim had nothing, but yet he had great effect on all those around him. Tiny had nothing to offer from a physical standpoint. He was a sick little boy who had to be carried everywhere that he went. But there was some great deposit in his heart that had an effect on the lives of other people. He, he saw God's blessing. He did not see cursing. He did not operate in fear. He operated in faith. He did not. And all of a sudden, that, that thought, that image in Scrooge's mind takes hold. You know what? I don't, I don't know where you're at this morning. But you can choose to face the future with trepidation and fear. You can allow the past and the present to begin to dictate to you your future. Or you can consider the possibility today of completely embracing God's plan. See, some of you are miserable this morning because you've only wanted to embrace part of it. You've only wanted to meet God part of the way. See, there's like a line in this carpet right here where this gray runner runs down here. And some of you have been like, you know what, God, I know God's got a plan, and I'm kind of like, okay, okay. I keep that foot there. I still pretty stable over here. You know, and you're kind of leaning, still kind of almost wanting to give in to the plan of God and the future he has for you, but yet still trying to hang on to the past, still looking at the obstacles of the present, still operating in fear of what might happen. Or you can totally cross over. Embrace God's gift of Jesus. Embrace his gift that he has a purpose for you. And you can alter the expectation of what the future holds. Remember, this Christmas story, the first step in crossing over into what the future holds is embracing the person of Christ. Christmas is about him. The only reason you have a future is because God came to earth as a man. Live the life was the living example of the word of God, died a horrible death on a cross, rose again, and lives in heaven to make intercession for us. That's why you have a future. 
And the only way you're going to excel in that future is to grab a hold of him wholeheartedly. You have some, you have some, look at this scripture. The last thing I'm going to close with, look at this. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord, he is my light. He is my salvation. Whom or what shall I fear? Am I fearing the ghost of Christmas future with that bony hand motioning me? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom or of what shall I be afraid? Verse 13 of Psalm 27 says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, David writes. Be of good courage, he says, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Doesn't seem like a Christmas passage, does it? We're talking about the person of Christ. He came to do what? The angels declared he came to bring joy, goodwill, and peace. Who? Some of you aren't in peace today because the future looks foggy. You see all that smoke floating around the past not real clear. It seems to be darkness all around. And the Lord's saying today, do not be afraid. I am the Lord your God. The Lord's saying today, don't be afraid. I'm the strength of your life. The Lord's saying today, be of good courage. I will strengthen you. You've got some steps you can take. Do we have time? Not really. Go watch the movie. Go rent it. A Christmas Carol, George C. Scott, copyright 1984. And watch Scrooge's life be transformed at the end. He asked, he asked the ghost, he said, Can this, is this what, 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 of what will be or what may be? And he's looking at his own tombstone. And he finds himself suddenly screaming out, and suddenly he's a changed man. He's back in his room. He says, I will not let what happened this night Go unnoticed. I will change. I will bring life. And he swings the doors open, and he begins to holler, Merry Christmas, and he's a changed man. The people he walked by without any even notice, suddenly he's paying attention to, and he's, his life has changed because he got the message. It doesn't have to be the way it's always been. It can be different. Listen, it doesn't have to be the way it's always been. It can be different. I want you to do something. I'm going I'm to say three things. I want you to bow your heads with me. Patrick's playing. And if any of these relate to you, I just want you to stand up where you're sitting. Some of you need today need to forget the past. Learn the lessons, but forget the past. And move on to the future with God's word as your anchor, God's purpose as your helm, the thing that's steering you, and his spirit as the wind in your sail. Some of you, you're fearful of the future because of what's happened in the past. If that's you and you want to say, you know what, I need to make a change today. I need to grab a hold of the future. I need to let go of the past and grab a hold of the future, the possibility, all the opportunity. Please stand right now. Some of you are in this boat. You need to refuse to allow present obstacles to be the roadblocks to keep you from where God wants you to go. Some of you are looking at the impossibility instead of the possibility. You're looking at the obstacle instead of the opportunity. You're looking at that God can't possibly fix that right here, what's going on in my life right now. If that's you, stand up where you, where you are. With God, all things are possible. Some of you are operating in fear. Today, you've got to make a change. You've got to say, I refuse to fear. I'm putting all of my trust in God. 
and that he knows what he's doing even when you don't. Even though it's not completely clear, even though the path isn't completely laid out. Let go of the fear. Begin to walk in faith. Father, you see these lives here right now that are standing. God, I think there's some sitting who are standing up in their heart. And Lord, I ask you, God, as they stand, begin to wash free their past. Wash them clean. Let them see that just because what yesterday was doesn't mean tomorrow is going to be that way. Just because of what yesterday brought about doesn't mean tomorrow is going to bring the same. Lord, today, give them hope, give them love, give them joy, give them peace today like they've never experienced. God, those who see those mountains, remind us that if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and that mountain will move because with God, all things are possible. And Lord, those who right now have more fear than they have faith, who have more frustration than they have hope, God, who, Lord, I pray that today you would infuse them with a gift of faith, that tomorrow things will be different because they're grabbing a hold of you, they're embracing you, they're embracing your plan. You are the strength of their life. God, give them what they need today. Wash them clean right now of every bit of fear. Let them operate in faith. Father, we join together around them. Christians, if you're sitting here going, man, I know that affects me, but I want you to just right now, I want you to begin to pray because there are people standing up in, the, in, the, in this building who need that. And you just want you to pray for them right now. You don't even know who their names are. God knows. You don't have to look at them. You don't have to worry about that. Just pray. Pray that God will give them the direction they need. Pray that God will give them the hope that they need. Pray that God will, will supernaturally move the obstacle. Father, in this room, do your work. I want to give one more offer. If you don't know Christ as your Savior today, the best gift you'll ever receive is the gift of Him. If you've never accepted Christ, or maybe you're away from Christ, you knew Him at one time, and you've kind of wandered, I want you to stand. Anybody who needs to embrace the person of Christ, who never has, Christmas is Jesus. Everybody stand with me. I want you to grab hands. Lord, as church triumphant today, we stand wanting to walk into the future you have for us. God, there are those of us who are hindered, hampered, have obstacles. Lord, we're joined together, God, to undergird and help them. God, today, let your plans come to fruition. Let your hope take root. And God, today, as Church Triumphant, we enter into a new realm. God, we desire and, des and decide today that we want your future for us as individuals, as a church. And God, we anticipate your blessing and your favor, your peace, your joy, you came to bring those things to us. God, right now, move in the hearts of people. Let us be like Simeon and hold on to your word. Let us be like Mary and say according to your word. 
And God, let us be like Joseph and operate in faith, unlike Herod who operated in fear, and see your provision made for us and your blessing come for us. God, I, we trust you and we love you. You are a good God. Be exalted in our lives, Lord, in the name of Jesus.